Hi besties, it's been a goddamn minute, but I am in fact going to pretend like it hasn't been, because that's how I cope with life, pretending things didn't happen. Um, I am sorry, and I really do appreciate every single person that was like, where's the podcast? Because honestly, until that moment, I didn't realise that that many people actually cared. I don't know, I know that's a really weird thing to say, but yeah, I just, I don't know, I was so grateful for everybody who was actually holding me accountable to be like, bitch, where the fuck is the podcast? No one was that aggressive. Actually, some people were. Some people were. (laughs) But um, yeah, I'm just going to pretend that that little time off, that little blip didn't occur and just get straight into the episode. So, you know, I usually start with a weekly update. I guess we'll do like a long-term update. So I've obviously been on antidepressants for a couple months. My dosage has gone up. Um, what else happened? Oh, I hit 300 rides at SoulCycle. I was in the SoulCycle email. Um, I fell out with a lot of people. Well, no, I didn't fall out with a lot of people. I just haven't really spoken to a lot of people in a while. And I'm very okay with it. I came to this realization recently that the way that you expect people to treat you is how they will treat you regardless of whether or not they do actually feel that way about you. And let me break that down. So if you expect somebody to not show up for you correctly, if you expect somebody to not appreciate you in the way that you want, it's because you've set this expectation for them and they can be showing up for you. They can be treating you with as much respect as they have to offer, but because you've perceived them to not do that, you will never see what they're doing. And I thought this was a really interesting realization because it's not often that you realize that you are the reason that the emotional connection may not be there. And I came to this, you know, thought process because there was a few people in my life, actually, who were kind of not understanding about the whole antidepressant situation, which, okay, you know, I am not going to shit on anybody for not being understanding of something that they don't understand, but there is a very fine line between ignorance and just, like, not giving a shit, and you know, it's it's kind of easy in circumstances like that to know when someone doesn't give a shit and when it's ignorance. And in these circumstances, they don't give a fucking shit. So neither do I, you know, we move on. But there are other people who, because they had been so quiet on the matter, I just thought, okay, they're going to treat me the same way other people have treated me. And they're going to just kind of not treat me the same as if I'm a different person. And someone who should be blamed for their struggles. Because that's how I was being treated by some people at first. Not all people. Most people have been lovely about it. To be fair, I haven't even told that many people, but most people have been lovely about it. But these two people have just kind of been like, no, basically. That's as, that's how I can describe it. Just no. And so when someone else in my life wasn't like talking to me as much, uh, my first immediate response was, oh, fuck, here we go again. And with this person, it was very different because I was like, this is one of my best friends. Like, no, I can't let this happen. And then I realized that no matter what she did, I had already put this in my brain. And so I had to unlearn what I had taught myself was going to happen before it even happened. And I feel like that's something we do a lot. We always 
expect something and then when something doesn't happen it crushes us but we're the ones who set ourselves up for our own failure there we broke our own hearts by having expectations of people because we don't know everyone and we will never know everybody truly and deeply and we will never know everybody's inner thoughts and feelings and just the way their brain is wired. We'll never completely understand that about someone, even your partner, even your siblings, anyone. You, nobody lets their guard down that much that you know the inner workings of their brain. And because of that, it means that any expectation that we may have of other people will just be broken. Even if it's broken in a good way, it's still broken because we cannot perceive someone's every actions. And, you know, like there are twin flames and soulmates and even like twins, like actual biological twins have that weird connection that everyone's like, how do you know that? But we can have these connections with people and still not be able to determine their next move because that in itself is inherently just an individual's own choice. And it's based on an individual's perception of life and things that have happened to them and experiences and relationships and we have never experienced those in the same capacity that they have. So we can never expect something from someone and be 100% correct. And because of that, when you go into situations and you think, this person is going to let me down, this person is not going to love me the way that I deserve, that's going to happen because you expected it to. And the only way they can break that expectation is by becoming this superhuman person. But in the reality of it, in an objective perspective, they didn't live up or go over to your expectation. You created this line that they could either stay under or go over, and in some circumstances they'll go over, and in some circumstances they'll go under, but you never gave them the opportunity to just be. And that's what I kind of had to realize. I was like, no, I have to go in this blank. Like, I need to see what people's responses are to this current situation. And another, another like, circumstance that that happened in was when I went on antidepressants and I told my mum. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this in other episodes before or, like, on my TikTok or whatever, but my mum's not very pro-antidepressants. She's just seen people had a, have a really bad experience on them. So I completely understand. And like I said, we all haven't had the same experiences in life. And so I have to be understanding of the fact that her experience in life has been different to mine. And so her reasonings for things will be different to mine, but I have to understand that. But it did reach a point where I was just like, I am so fucking low right now. I have to change something. And so I went on antidepressants and she was kind of pissed, I'm not gonna lie. She wasn't angry, but she was just kind of like, really, like, this is what it's come to. And that might sound bad, like, I know it It didn't come from a bad place, she just really didn't want me to take medicine. She's like, yeah, she's, she's a hippie, let me say that. Well, she's not, but like, she's very hippy-dippy and like, doesn't enjoy taking medicines and doesn't like prescriptions and things like that. Even when I was younger, um, I have a heart condition and so, from the age of about nine, they were like, we can put her on this, 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 and this. And my mum was like, absolutely not. And I also suffer from cluster headaches and they gave me a bunch of medications for that. And uh, I think it's called Pizotiffin. Uh, that's the medication they put me on. And I was on it for a while and it just made me gain a lot of weight. It gave me even worse headaches at night. Um, it made my depression even worse. And so my mum was just like, get off that shit immediately. 
So yeah, she doesn't really enjoy prescriptions and medications, but I started my antidepressants and I just kind of was like, I cannot have an expectation of how she's going to react. And that was the best thing I did because now she's literally the person that's like, call your doctor, you need to increase your dosage. <laughs> um, she's like, go to your doctor and like talk about your antidepressants, blah, blah, blah. And I know that if I went in with a bad expectation, like, yeah, or she's going to be upset, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't have been able to appreciate the small steps that have happened. Like, I guess you could call them progress. And the fact that now she's very open to the fact I'm on antidepressants and I never thought that would happen. So basically what that long ramble was about is just have no expectations. That's the best way to life. Um, I can't believe that ramble came from my weekly updates. Like I didn't even get into the main part of the podcast yet. But I guess let's do that. I know actually before I like move on into the main chunk of the podcast, I do want to continue talking about my antidepressants just because people have had a few questions about them and there's like, um, you know, there's still a stigma surrounding them. So let's break that stigma. Let's normalize it. Let's have this conversation. So the biggest thing that people ask me right now is like, are you scared you're going to become dependent on them? And at first I was kind of taken aback by that because like I didn't, well, I've never been under the impression that you take medication to stop taking it. Like, many of the things that I've taken medication for in my life have been, like, lifelong things. And the only reason I've stopped taking them is because I've had bad side effects or, like, I've had a heart ablation that's meant I don't have to take medication, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that was a question that kind of threw me off because I was like, oh, I actually never expected to stop taking antidepressants. And to be completely honest, I didn't even know that people did stop taking them. I didn't realise there was like a point where you were weaned off them when your therapist, psychotherapist, doctor, whatever, said that you were okay to be off them. Um, and so going in with that mindset, I was just kind of like, oh, people stop taking them. Okay, that makes sense. And I honestly would not care if I was on antidepressants for the rest of my life. I feel very lucky to be on them. And they are helping me in ways that I didn't know I needed help. I mean, to be fair, the past week has been a bit rough. Like, um, I increased my dosage and I think my body's like going through the adjustment process again, which is weird. My appetite's like completely fucked up again and I want to cry all the time, but I can't because antidepressants. But like in the grand scheme of things, I would literally cry every single day and like feel so low every single day. And for the past couple of months I haven't felt that way and if there is something in this world that allows me to not feel like my world is consistently caving in on me then why would I give that up you know if modern medicine has advanced that much then so be it to be honest it's either that or drugs like I might as well just take the legal shit you know that might have been dark and gruesome but here we are um another thing that people ask me about is the side effects and, you know, it's been less than a year, so who knows what might happen in a year's time. But the only side effect I've had is like, not being able to cry and a fucked up appetite. Um, that's it. Like, I didn't lose my sex drive. Uh, oh, I got the dry throat thing. But that kind of went after a while. I'd say like a month and that went. Um, and everything else is exactly the same. Like, there's this idea that it completely changes you and makes you someone that you're not but I think it just helps me bring out a side of myself that had been so covered up and hidden by sadness for so many years and 
I'll be so honest with you, there was a moment a few days ago where I was like, I've lost my spark, like I've lost my personality, and I think it's because so much of my personality came from being depressed, like, my dark humour came from being depressed, and like, being the socially anxious friend, and like, the depressed friend, and the friend that just stays in bed all day, like, that was so much of, of who I am. So I think when that started to be dulled out a bit and there was space for me to be the happier version of myself and the more social version of myself, I kind of felt like I'd been thrown in the deep end in a life that I had no understanding of. Because truthfully, I think the last time that I was free in terms of free to be happy with no voice in my head saying, you don't deserve this, was when I was about six. And, like, that's a fucking long time ago. I'm nearly 23. It's my birthday in, like, a month and a couple of days. So, (laughs) Virgo queens, get ready! But, yeah, like, that was the last time. And so I don't really remember anything from when I was six. I don't remember what what it felt like to feel that way. And so this is new for me. This is new territory. I've had to build new relationships with both myself and other people. And it's been really insightful. Um... I think there are literally two women in my life that I could not have done this without. And that is my soul cycle instructor, who's also one of my favourite people and favourite friends, and my best friend. Um, I've told this story on my TikTok, but I'll tell it again. I was probably in one of the worst depressive episodes I've had in the past five years. And my best friend was like to me, you should probably go on search lane. And I was like, absolutely not you know, with this mentality of, like, my parents not approving, and then, um, it got real bad, and I went to a soul cycle class, because that's how I deal, that's how I cope, (laughs) um, so I went to a soul cycle class, and I was speaking to my instructor about it, and she was just like, you should probably try sertraline, and I thought, okay, these two individuals literally see me the most in the world, like, more than my parents see me, and, um, I also trust them more than anybody else. So if they are both saying the same thing, let's go. And so I went to the doctor and I didn't mention that my friends had said I should go on sertraline, but my doctor said it and I was like, okay, all right, this is it. Rule of three. And to be honest, like they've both been an amazing support system. I haven't really told that many people that I'm on antidepressants. Like I put it on my TikTok and I speak about my podcast, but in terms of actual people that I see every day, it's not really something I bring into conversation. But yeah, I don't know. And they both just kind of guided me through and it really made me realize that sometimes it's good to have people in your life. Sometimes it's good to have friends that you feel like are there for you. And I say this and some people might be like, yeah, duh, but I am so okay with being alone and that's my default mode for everything. Anything that happens to me, sorry, my voice just broke. Peabody. Um, No, yeah, anything that happens to me, I just have this default mode in my body that's like, do it alone. Do not ask for help. Do not ask for support. Just do it by yourself because then you won't be disappointed. And this goes back to what I was talking about with expectations. Like, if you have such low expectations for people, then what do you expect? 
Also, that's not to place any blame on anybody. There are always reasons why we have such low expectations. It normally comes from the fact that people have proved that we should have low expectations and people have shown us behaviours that make us think low of other people. But, you know, that's all part of healing and understanding that every single person will bring a different situation into your life. Anyways, um, but yeah, going on antidepressants was probably the first time that I was like openly and willingly talking about my struggles with people, which is crazy. Like, so fucking crazy because I am just not that person. I've never been the person who can physically open my mouth and admit that I'm struggling. And I did, and it felt really good. And it also felt really good to know that these two women were like, I've got you. And that's just like, ah, like, I'm so fucking grateful, so fucking grateful because... Honestly, I don't think I could have done it alone. And I say that, and I know that the next thing that I'm about to say is a big contradiction, but I don't think I could have done it alone, but I also know that I could have, but I wouldn't have wanted to. And so that's what I mean by I couldn't have done it alone. I wouldn't have wanted to do that alone. That is such a big step, and I know that it's possible to do it alone. So if you're listening to this and you think that you don't have the support system that you want, you can still do it. And honestly that makes you so powerful but in my circumstance I just felt like I'd been doing this shit alone for way too long and I probably continue to do things alone I probably continue to process my emotions alone because that's just how I am and that's how I've been for a long time and it's going to take a lot of therapy to unwire that one but for that specific thing I'm very grateful and I feel like it was a turning point in my life to help me trust people a lot more and that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool part of healing, guys. Okay, so let's talk about feeling like you've been left behind. And not like actually left behind, just the state of mind of like everybody else doing something that you're not doing. So I took a gap year. I took a longer degree than everyone else, which inevitably meant that I would graduate after all my friends, which is exactly what happened this year. Uh, well, it happened last year as well because... I took a gap year, so it's like two years, whatever. Um, this year, like, my friends graduated, which means in September, I'm going back to uni with no friends. Ah! Oh my god. Anyways, we won't, we won't talk about that yet. We won't talk about that yet. But as immensely proud as I am of my friends for graduating, I did just get hit with this massive, like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? Like, I'm still a student, and I'm, I feel so left behind, I feel like I'm running out of time, and just feel like I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. And with that also came this kind of midlife crisis, let's say quarter-life crisis, of uh, the fact that I don't have the same dreams and aspirations I had when I was 16. I just don't. I have the same morals, I have the same beliefs, but I don't have the same dreams. There's no way. I've changed so much since I was 16. Also, when I was like 15, 16, I was in an extremely competitive, like Catholic convent school where creativity wasn't encouraged and it was just a fucking shithole of a school, and I didn't even know that sociology was a subject that people took, I didn't know that psychology, media, film, like, I didn't know all these things are things that you could study, like, my school was very much, like, are you doing law or medicine, or maybe maths, like, that was it, and so I think with the morals and the beliefs that I had, I was like, okay, 
It's one of the three, and I don't want to deal with numbers for the rest of my life. So let's do law. And I've always wanted to do law, so that really wasn't a difficult decision for me. But the lack of encouragement to be creative has now led me to a point where at 23, I'm sat here like, whoa, wait, I'm 22, I'm 22. Well, at 22, I'm sat here like, fuck, do I have enough time to find new creative passions? And yes, I fucking do. I can say that to anybody else who would ask me. If any other 22-year-old, or actually anyone, 22, 105, whatever, if anybody asked me, do I have enough time to find new creative passions, I would tell them, yes, you do. But when it's me, I can't say yes. I cannot say yes for some reason, even though I know that I do have time. I find it so difficult to let myself have that time because I feel like I should be putting that time somewhere else. And time management in terms of life shouldn't exist because you don't know how much life you have, okay? You can't be having time management with your life when you don't actually know how much time you have to manage. Like if I died tomorrow and there was something that I really wanted to do, that's going to be a real bummer because I would have sat there like, oh, well, you can do it in five years when you finally hit your five-year plan. I don't have a five-year plan, by the way, but then I wouldn't have had any time because I managed time incorrectly. But I mean, I don't know if I'll get my degree. I really, I can't make promises at this point. Like, I don't fucking care about it. Maybe next year it will change. Um, but yeah, there's just that feeling of like, oh my God, I am so far behind everybody else. And I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I'm, on the one hand, I'm like, thank God I'm still a student because fuck moving out, fuck paying rent, like fuck getting a real job, like fuck all of that. I'm not ready, and truthfully, I'm not ready, and I think that's okay to admit, I'm really not ready for the real world, and I like being a student because it's an excuse, but then on the other hand, I'm like, am I only staying in this degree and not pursuing the creative paths that I actually want to pursue, because that means I have to get a real job, that means I am thrown into the real world, oh, sorry, my phone just went off, that was really rude of me, um, that means that I have to now be an adult in the way that I haven't been an adult before, like, being a student is safe right now, you know, it's income, it's an excuse for not having a job, it's something to do, you know, like, it's just safe, and I'm worried that there might be a point in my life where I look back and I think the safe option wasn't the best option, despite everybody thinking it was, and that's scary, and that's something that I am gonna have to come to terms with over the next couple of months, because... Um, I go back to uni in a couple of months. Um, but that's also something that I'm fucking, like, ah, about, basically. I don't actually want to go back to uni. I would happily do it online. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, fuck Zoom, fuck Zoom, this is awful, like, I hate online uni. I don't want to go back. Please don't make me go back. Please don't make me do it. Mm -mm -mm. I don't want to go back. I'm going to start crying. I don't want to do it. I... I physically do not want to be in a lecture hall anymore. And I think schools should be understanding of both arguments. I mean, there's more than two arguments for this, but I think schools should be understanding of everybody's like situation and how the pandemic has affected them. Because like prior to the pandemic, I was so for in-person lectures. I mean, up until like halfway through the pandemic, I was so for in-person lectures. I think that's a really good way to learn. And it still is a really good way to learn. It's not like that's changed. I just have so much anxiety about going back. And 
I just don't, like, I don't feel comfortable being in a room with that many people. And, you know, you might be like, oh, well, you go to the gym and you go to SoulCycle and blah, blah, blah. I haven't been away from those places for nearly two years. Like, those places have been open during the lockdown. I mean, during the pandemic, not during lockdowns. And I know those people. They've become, like, a second family to me. So... I, as much as I'm like, oh my god, if SoulCycle goes back to full capacity, I'm going to have a heart attack. It's at half capacity right now, and it's still a bit scary, but it's been a constant for me. That hasn't disappeared from my life. University has completely been out of my life since like l two Decembers ago. I was gonna say last December, like two, nearly two years ago. So even pre-pandemic, I wasn't at uni, um, because they were on strike. So it's just, it's so foreign to me now. It's like that feeling you get before you start a new school where you're like, oh my God, I don't know anyone. I don't know the layout. I'm scared. I'm nervous. That's exactly how I feel. But with this now added dread of like, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. The pandemic hasn't ended. I also don't really want to go back to my uni because they've been so fucking useless throughout this whole pandemic. Like so fucking useless. Like Sussex University, get your fucking shit together because oh my God. Oh, oh, anyways, yeah, so those are the two school pandemics that are going on in my brain right now. <laughs> the fact that I don't want to go back because I'm absolutely fucking terrified of just having a panic attack on campus, which I know will happen because I had, I've had several having to go into public places recently and I haven't had panic attacks like continuously in a few years. So I know that it's bad. And on the second hand, I feel like I'm too old and I know I'm not. It's really crazy though, because like the people that I hang out with, um, are a lot older than me. No, that's a fat lie. They are just older than me. They're not a lot older than me. They're just older than me. And so I think I compare myself to that a lot and I'm like, oh fuck, like they've got careers and I'm a student and I always feel like a baby. Um, my friends have always been a lot older than me like, actually a lot older than me. I was talking about this the other day, actually, um, with a friend. I was, like, in secondary school hanging out with undergrads. Like, I know, looking back on it now, that is so weird. Um, but, like, I don't know. That's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, whatever. I've always just had friends that are just a lot older than me. Even when I ran track, even when I played rugby, like, my rugby team was a lot older than me. Um, when I danced, I was, all, well, I mean, I've been dancing my whole life, so obviously there was a point where everybody in the dance school was older than me. But yeah, I don't know. I've just always had friends that aren't in my year group at school, let's say. And um, I think that doesn't help because then I'm comparing myself to people who are older than me who would have obviously graduated. Well, not obviously, but it makes sense that they've graduated before me. It makes sense that they're already putting feet in their, putting feet in their career, putting a step putting a foot? What the fuck is the phrase? Anyways, people who are, like, already in their career, it makes sense. Like, I can't compare myself to someone who's 27 when I'm 22. Like, they have five years on me, you know? But I do. I do. I am my own worst enemy. I am my biggest bully. I am my biggest critic. Like, I always want to be the best. And that's very Virgo of me. People always say that. They're like, oh, you're such a Virgo. And I know. I just always have to be the best at what I do. And if I am not the best, I don't want to do it. And that is honestly a flaw. Like, that is a flaw. And I think 
if you feel that way, you need to acknowledge that that's a flaw too, because there will inevitably be things in your life that you won't be the best at, and you have to be okay with that. Because I think that once you become okay with not being the best at something, you are more open to learning tips and tricks and skills along the way. And I think that's also a really crucial part of growing, the evolving and the journey. That's so much more important than like where you end up. And I think the best analogy I can think of for that in a personal regard is I'm 23 in September. I know I've mentioned that like four times now, but I'm 23 in September and I'm really excited for 23. And I always used to be very scared for the number getting bigger. I always used to be scared. I think once I got to 19, I was like, fuck, these numbers are big. Um, and I'm excited for 23. And I've heard a lot of people, like my friends who have already turned 23 are kind of like, oh my God, no, turning 23 is so scary. But for me, I don't find it scary because I see it as like a close on a chapter and that chapter is 22. And 22 was one hell of a fucking ride. And I learned so much so fucking much at 22. And so I'm not looking at 23 as like, ugh, another year older. I'm looking at 23 as like, oh my god, a new year to learn so much. And I'll be wiser because I'm older. And the reason I'm older and wiser is because of the year that I've had before. And so it's not me wishing to be older or wanting to be younger. It's not me like determining my age and the worth that comes with it. It's me saying, I have 365 days in this set year, September 11th to September 11th. And this is what I learned. And this is how I grew. And this is how I evolved. Let's do it again. It's like an academic year. You just learn what you learn and you can't rush it. Sometimes there will be things, there'll be things in school that you have to study for in that academic year that you just don't get. And then maybe like three years down the line, you'll be sat in a random biology class and you'll be like, fuck, that's what that meant. That's life. There will be things at 18 that I could not comprehend that now at 22, I'm like, bitch, how the fuck did you not understand that? But it took time. We all learn at different rates. We all grow and evolve at different rates. And so my 22 is not your 22 and your 22 is not somebody else's 22. And I think that's really fucking cool. So... As much as I'm, like, scared that I'm letting my parents down for not being even further in my life than they want, or I don't know if they want, I'm just assuming, which I need to stop doing, but, you know, just because I'm not where I think other people want me to be, I'm still allowed to be where I am and be happy and proud of myself. And truthfully, I am so proud of myself, and I really don't say that enough, but, like, I am so proud of myself. This year has been fucking crazy. We were in a pandemic. Like, I didn't think I'd ever live through that. You know, you learn about the pandemics of the past and the roaring 20s, and it's something that's completely glamorized, and you don't think it's something that you can touch. Like, it's not within arm's reach because it's just a part of history. And we've learned from that, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and science has advanced, and medicine has advanced. And here we are in the middle of a pandemic still. And I am double vaxxed, by the way. Oh my god, yes, I am double vaxxed. I haven't, I don't know why I didn't put that in the updates. I am double vaxxed. So, hot girl summer, truthfully. Also, isn't it so weird that my vaccine and my antidepressants are Pfizer? Thank you, Pfizer, for my hot girl summer. Thank you ever so much. Um, but yeah, I don't know. 
life isn't a competition. It's not a race. No one wins at life. If anything, we all lose because we die. Wow. That got gruesome. <laughs> uh, I feel like you guys like my friendship advice. So let me give you a little rundown of what's going on in my life right now in terms of friendship. So my my circle is very small. My circle's always been very small, but it's now very, very, very small. And I love it like that. I like that not many people can perceive me and have access to me. I like that. It reserved my energy. However, there are a few little people just still lingering in my life who I know, I know I'm going to stick around because um, I'm not going to fight for it anymore. You know, there's only so many times you can fight for a friendship. There are only so many times you can be mugged off. But I like normally don't respond to texts that are like long and just like, ugh. not gaslighting because I hate how overused that word is. Like I don't like it and this isn't what it is, but I also don't know what the word is. Like when someone just tries to play the victim and make it seem like they didn't do anything wrong as if sorry just eradicates the fact that you felt like shit because of it, you know? And so I was like telling my friends about this and I was like, hey, like what would you do in this circumstance? And all of them were like, what the fuck? Just move on. And I was like, huh, I do give people too many chances. And the reason I'm saying this is because now I am going to be like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to move on. Like, yeah, it sucks to like lose a friendship that's that many years, but what can you do? Like people show you their true colors. People show you how much they value you. Like people truly do show you. If you ever have to question it, then that's like a conversation to be had. But like more often than not, if someone shows you that they don't appreciate you, they don't fucking appreciate you. And the reason I'm saying all this is because I think it's okay to give people chances. I think this idea that you have to immediately cut somebody off is kind of toxic. And I am guilty of it. But I mean, there are there are exceptions to every rule. Obviously, some people will do one thing and you should fucking take that red flag and run for the goddamn hills, okay? But there are some people who you know it might have just been a blip or you know that they can learn from it. Oh, I fucking hate saying it, but they can change. This doesn't apply to relationships. I am not fucking talking about relationships. Mm -mm, I'm talking about friendships, like platonic friendships. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, I often, like, look back and think I shouldn't have given that many people so many chances, but then I also think it makes me a better person. It makes me the human that's open to change in both myself and other people, and I think that's really beautiful. However, you do reach a point where you cannot be giving people more chances than you have to give. You, you just can't, because if somebody keeps showing you that that's who they are, they're not changing. Let me repeat that for you. If somebody keeps showing you that that is who they are, they will not change. No matter how many chances you give them, they are not going to change. That is them. And that's the reason why they keep showing you that that's who they are, because that's who they are. They're not changing. That person is not going anywhere. So just pack your bags and walk out of the situation. And I'm packing my bags with you, besties, because I've had to do that in two friendships this year. And it, you know, Honestly, I'm kind of numb because of the antidepressants, so maybe I would have cried if it was a different circumstance. But I'm just packing my bags and I'm going. And I was going to say it sucks, but it doesn't because I'm 22. I have years left. Years, hopefully. Please don't let me get hit by a bus tomorrow. But 
Yeah, let's say everything goes to plan. I have years left to find friends who will appreciate me, friends who will understand me. I have so many years left to find more of my people, more people that make my world turn, more people that make my days brighter. And I do not need to be giving out chances to people who show me over and over and over again that they are a grey cloud in my life. Because, oh boy, are there some human sunshines out there. This year has also taught me that. There are some fucking human sunshines out there. There are people who I do not understand how they came into my life. I do not understand how I got so fucking lucky meeting them. And there are friendships that have evolved and got a lot more deeper and more profound. And I'm like, oh my God, I am, hello, universe, thank you. Also, I think I manifested this because I really did have enough of being lonely, but wow. Wow, 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 wow. But also, talking about friendships and me saying don't take my advice on romantic relationships, blah, blah, blah. Another thing I've realised about myself is that I honestly don't know the fucking difference between romantic and platonic relationships. Like, I do. That was a big generalisation. But like, oh, do you ever just, I don't know. I don't know if this makes me weird. I don't know if everyone else has felt this way. But is there ever just someone and you're just like, what is this? Like, what the fuck is this? Are you my platonic soulmate or my romantic soulmate? And it's like, we're never going to date. I know we're never going to date. But I'm like, hello, this is not platonic. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, sorry. I just had to get that one out because I think like, I'm very good at not showing my feelings in terms of crushes and romance and things like that. Like, I can switch it on and off very quickly. Like, I, if you think I'm flirting with you, I am because I am making it very obvious. If you are, like, confused whether or not I fancy you, I probably don't because you would know. Like, that's, that's what I mean. Like, I can make it very obvious. I can hide it, whatever. I'm very good at, like, pushing my feelings down. Um, I wouldn't recommend, but I'm very good at it. A skill that I've mastered since 1998. But I also know that there are some people who, like, cannot suppress their emotions in that way. And, like, good for them. But I was having this conversation with my best friend, and we were talking about how, like, some friendships that you have are not friendships. Like, they, they are romantic relationships without like, the sexual benefits, basically, and so when you fall out with these people, you have arguments, they are a lot more emotional, and a lot bigger, and a lot, like, kind of scarier in a way, because it's not coming from the same place that a friendship fallout would come from. Like, I feel like, and I am prepared to be wrong as somebody who has been single for so many years, but I feel like when you have a friendship fallout, there is always, or more often than not, there's, like, hope that you can come back from that, or it's kind of expected that you'll come back from that, regardless of how big the, the fallout was. Whereas when you have, like, a romantic fallout, it's kind of like, what does this mean for us? This now changes the way we are, and does this mean we're going to break up? And, I mean, if the fallout is a breakup, it's like, well, do we just depart and never speak, or are we going to get back together? Like, it's a, it's a bigger situation. And I don't mean to compare the depth of love between platonic relationships and romantic relationships, because I honestly think that sometimes a friendship breakup can hurt way more than a romantic breakup. So the love is incomparable, but just the actual effects of, like, 
falling out and like the immediate aftermath of falling out in both situations are very different and they are I don't know they just like they happen differently and so I was having this fallout and I was talking to my best friend about it because duh I mean if you've ever told me anything and you think my best friend doesn't know it's time to think again but um yeah we were talking about it and my bestie was like she's treating you like you're her boyfriend like she is messaging you the way I would message my boyfriend if we just broke up and I took myself back from the situation, like I tried to take myself out, and I was like, holy shit, you're right. And that's not to say, like, that was intentional or anything, but you do reach a point where you have to take yourself out of the situation and realise that you are serving, a, well, you think you're serving a purpose in someone's life that you're not serving because they're holding you to a different standard. And this honestly just loops back to what I was saying earlier about expectations and having expectations for people. If you have an expectation for someone in your life and they're completely unaware of it, they're never going to be able to reach that expectation because they don't know what they're trying to do. But you have put them to the standard. So you're expecting them to continuously do something that that role entails but they're not doing it because they don't know. Like, you need to tell them. That's why you need to be open about your feelings. It's like, I'm such a hypocrite for saying that. Um, but it's like a job, right? Like, if you... I don't I don't know. I've never had a job. Um, if Okay, like, if you're, like... I don't know. Uh, like, a manager and then, like, wh whatever is, like, not a manager. <laughs> and then you tell you don't tell the manager that they're the manager, so they're just doing, like, other things that aren't managerial position roles, then what do you expect? You know, like, you you can't, ex you're just setting someone up for failure, basically. And I think that that's what a lot of people do. And I know that that's not, like, the, I know that my circumstance is not the only circumstance like that, because I've seen a few people make TikToks on it. I think Victoria Paris was the first person to make a video on it, that I saw, at least, about how, like, she was serving the boyfriend role in some friendships and like when they blew up it was like a, a, a lot bigger than it was meant to be and things like that and I just think it's so interesting because I think so many people do have this this type of relationship where it's like this isn't a friendship it's a romantic relationship without any sexual benefits like you expect that person to be at your beck and call and I don't know I, I don't know I just had to get that one off my chest because I am, like, on either end of the whole thing, if that makes sense. Like, I am the person that's also like, is this platonic? Is this romantic? Like, that's a constant debate that's going on in my head. W not with everyone. There's, there's like, two people in my life that I've ever had that little debate about. Um, so I understand it on that perspective, but I also would never, ever say anything because I know that they're platonic. Do you know what I mean? But then some people don't like evaluate it because I, I guess like if you're not in tune with that part of your life, I guess, like if you're not in tune with the fact that lines can be blurred and boundaries can be crossed. And I guess it goes even further into like, if you're not in tune with that part of your like sexuality or like liberation or anything like that, it can kind of be confusing and so you might just never even question it. So it can, it could be completely accidental that people are giving you the boyfriend role in friendships. Like, I think more often than not, it is accidental. I don't think anyone ever intentionally does that. I think it falls into place, which is kind of like how relationships occur. They just fall into place. You just, ew, 
everybody cringe at what I'm about to say, but you just fall in love. Ooh. But yeah, I don't think these things are intentional. It's just when things go wrong, you can't you can't really address them in the correct way because you address them as a friend, but that's not the role that you've been serving. I don't fucking know. I love ending podcasts or videos saying I don't know when I've literally just given my opinion for like half an hour. I'm like, I don't know though. Peace out. Um, But yeah, thank you ever so much for bearing with me, besties. Honestly, been a hot mess recently, but also been a bit of a girl boss, I won't lie to you. Not gonna make any fucking promises because look what happened the last time I did that. I didn't post. But honestly, like from the bottom of my heart, thank you for everybody who's like actually held me accountable for this podcast. Um, I hope you guys are doing great. I hope you're all doing great. I hope your life is going well. I hope you didn't miss me too much. But yeah, here I am. I love you guys.